This sermon is titled Good News. Be enriched as you listen. So I want to spend some time here this morning sharing with us from God's Word a simple message just to remind us of what we believe and what this celebration of Christmas is all about. So it's going to be a very simple message, but I think it's important for us to keep reminded, to be reminded of this, the simplicity of the good news of Jesus. So this morning's sermon is simply titled, Good News. Good news. So tell your neighbor, there's good news. (laughs) All right, I want to read for us from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. The Christmas story, a part of it. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. The Bible tells us here, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Just want to emphasize that. What did the angel tell them? He said, I'm bringing you good tidings, good news of great joy, which is for all people. It's for all of us, for all people of all nations, for all time. It's good news for you and me today as well. And what's the good news? Verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's the good news. There's born to you today in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So I want us to focus on and think about what the angels announced, or the angel announced. Good news of great joy for all people. So the birth of Jesus, which we are celebrating here almost a thousand years post its or happening the first time, is good news of great joy for all people. It's good news, great joy for you and me today. But we want to think about it. First of all, what is this good news of great joy? What is it? What is this good news? You need to understand it. And how does it matter to me? How does it matter to me? So I want to try and understand that. What is this good news of great joy? It's going to make me happy. So hopefully at the end of this service you'll be happy. (laughs) This good news of great joy. Which is for everybody. It's for you. So how does it apply to you? How, in what way is it relevant to you? 
personally as an individual among the masses of people all over the world, how does it make sense to you? And obviously the good news is stated here for us. He says, verse 11, the angel said, for you to, is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. And this Savior is the Messiah, the one who had been foretold by the prophets, who had been spoken of by the prophets for thousands of years. That Messiah has come. He's come to be a Savior. There's a Savior, and this Savior is the Messiah, the Lord. So, the question we need to ask is, why Savior? And how does that bring good news, great joy to me personally. Because that's the message. Good news of great joy. What's it? A Savior. Who's the Savior? It's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. How is that going to affect or mean anything to you and me today? The word Savior is a broad word which also means deliverer. It also means rescuer. So there's a Savior who's been sent into the world. He's born in the city of David. That's good news. That's good news of great joy. He's a rescuer. He's a deliverer. Now someone will say, what do I need to be saved from? What do I need to be rescued from? What do I need to be delivered from? What's the point? Before I can start jumping and saying, yeah, it's good news. I need to understand that. Savior, deliverer, rescuer. Why do I need a savior, a deliverer, a rescuer? I'm doing fine. So, to help us understand that, please allow me to explain this message, this good news. Now, some of you probably, if you've been here at APC, you probably hear it at least three times every year. Right? And it's important to hear that because it's foundational to our faith. And we can't forget it. We shouldn't forget it. So we keep repeating it intentionally. And so it's always good to hear the good news again. It's good news every day. So allow me to explain this as simply as we can. What is this good news? What is the point of a Savior? And how is a Savior, a rescuer, a deliverer bring good news to me personally, to you personally? So to do this, we should begin at the very beginning. In the beginning, God. So before anything, there was God. In the beginning, God. And God created, the Bible says, God created the heavens, He created the earth. I want to just help us think through on how the Bible presents the creative act of God. I want to highlight three things. In the creative act of God, there was time, there was design, and there was energy all compressed in an instant. Now, this is very important. In the creative act of God, in the creative act of God, there was time, there was energy, there was design all compressed in an instant. Meaning, what you and I think would have evolved over billions of years. God says, I don't need your billions of years. I need less than a second. What you and I think would have been a design process that took billions of years to come together. God says, I don't need those billions of years to design it. I am the great designer. It takes me less than an instant. 
So the creative act of God is such that where time, energy, and design is compressed in a single instant. That's why I'm not afraid when scientists say the earth took so many billions of years to be formed. The universe is so many billions of years. Call out whatever number you want. My God compressed all of it in less than an instant. That's how everything came into being. Now, you and I do our measurements and come up with some great number that keeps changing every, you know, every so often. But in the creative act of God, keep this in mind. He is God, and that's why he could compress time. He could compress energy, and he could compress design in less than an instant. And this whole universe came into being. Secondly, understand about the creative act of God, the intent of God. That God's intent is always good. The Bible tells us when he created everything, everything was good. God's intent is good. It's not evil. It's not disaster. It's not sickness. It's not disease. It's not corruption. It's not decay. It's not none of that. The intent of God is always good. And when God created something, he created absolutely perfect when the first attempts. Everything was perfect. And we understand the intent of God when we see the culmination. Because when you look at the end of the story, the last two chapters in the book of the Bible, you find that everything is going to be perfect. No sin, no sickness, no disease, no tears, no pain, none of it. So you understand, if you look back in reverse, look at the end, you can understand the beginning. The intent of God is expressed so clearly in the way He's going to wrap things up and the way He's going to set things in motion for eternity future. His intent is always good. His intent is always perfect. And the third thing I want us to understand about the creation of God is His purpose. In creating you and me, God had a purpose. We were created for relationship with God. You and I as human beings are so different from the rest of God's creation. We were created for relationship. God didn't just create us and throw us on the planet and say, okay, let's see what happens to them. It's not like how we develop AI. We don't know what's going to happen. Not so with God. So I designed these people. I know them really well. I designed them for relationship with me. But I created them as free moral agents. Because I want people to worship me as a matter of their choice rather than me imposing that on them. So we were not created as robots. I will worship God when he makes me worship him. He'll never make you worship him. He designed you for you to make a free determined choice that you will choose to worship the creator. So that's how we've been designed. So in the beginning, everything was perfect, and God designed it like this. But things didn't get off to a very good start. There's bad news. Adam and Eve messed it up. They did what God told them not to do. They used the freedom of choice to do something that disturbed that state of perfection in which God created everything. It broke their relationship with God. It brought them in subjection to the devil. Now, we don't have time to go and explain how this enemy, this, this being called the devil that we see in Scripture, 
came into being. But by disobedience to God, by choose, using their free will, their free choice, to do something God told them not to do, they brought themselves in subjection to, the, to Satan. And so that's the bad news. That the human race was subject to sin, Satan, and death. The Bible tells us that through one man's disobedience, sin came into this world. And death, and death passed on all men, for all have sinned. So that one disobedient act of Adam resulted in this. That the entire human race was subject to sin, Satan, and death. Through one man, sin entered the world. And sin has its consequences. All the evil that we see, the fighting, the conflict, the, the killing, the hurting, all that is the expression of sin at work. You don't need too much evidence. You see it all around us. Why is it that? Because man is sinful. Why do people hurt each other? Why do they do all kinds of evil to each other? Sin. So you can't say sin is not there. It's right there. If you don't want to see it, that's a different issue. But it's all around us. And it started back then when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And so sin has its consequences. It separates us. It disconnects us from God because God is absolutely holy and sin cannot stand in His presence. Sin cannot connect with Him. And we are sinful. Sin blocks the blessings of God. God's intent is good. God's intent is blessing. But sin becomes a barrier to the flow of His goodness and blessings in our lives. And the Bible also explains to us, and you can look at this in Romans chapter 8, that all of creation was subject to corruption. That means the original design, which was designed by God, the systems and the processes that He put in place on the earth were absolutely perfect. The weather conditions were perfect. The, uh, everything was perfect. All the systems, the biological, uh, the environmental process, everything was perfect in this world. But the Bible says because of that disobedient act, when Satan entered in, all of these things were subject to corruption. That means they began to deviate from their original state of perfect design. And so today we see all kinds of things happening. There are catastrophes happening in natural, say for in, ex instance, in weather conditions. God didn't design it like that. God doesn't design the earthquakes and the volcanoes and the tsunamis and all those things that are so devastating to our lives. God didn't design it. The Bible explains it, that it was all subject to corruption. It's deviating from God's original design. So it's wrong for you and me to attribute those things, those phenomena that we see and experience as an act of God. Not always an act of God. It's the result of Creation being subject to corruption. So why are babies born deformed? Why are innocent babies, even before they are born, why do they experience things that are disorders? Is God doing it? 
No. All of creation is subject to corruption. The original design of God was affected and it's gone astray. So we don't blame God for that. But what we do is say, God, you're the God who can mend it. You're the God who can heal it. You're the God who can fix it. You're the God who can restore it. And when you and I engage using our mind or intelligence in order to fix something that's broken, we are collaborating, we are co-working with God. Are you listening? Because that's the intent of God. Perfection, goodness, blessing. And so this is what has happened in the earth because of sin. Now someone will say, well, you know, why doesn't God just wrap it up? He's going to. And you better be ready for it. The Bible says, and you can read this in the scriptures, that a day and a time is coming when there's going to be new heavens and the new earth, the former earth, it'll all be forgotten. And there won't even be a need for the sun because God himself will be the, will be the light of this planet. He's going to do it. So why is it taking so long? Because for God, it's not long. Because he lives outside time. It's long for you and me, but it's not long for God. He lives outside time. And a thousand years is like a day. So he's going to wrap it. He's going to do it. He's going to bring everything back to its original state. But he's given you and me an opportunity to turn to him. That in our lifetime, we make a deliberate choice to believe in Him and to co-work with Him to carry out His purposes on the earth. He's given you an opportunity. That's why He's waiting. So let's hurry up. So, there's a dilemma that we face. The dilemma is this, that we were designed by God for relationship with God. The world was all designed by perf designed perfect, but sin has corrupted everything. And so here we are in an imperfect world, in a world that is chaotic, disorderly, that's gone away from God's original design, full of sin, in subjection to Satan, and, and doomed to death. And here we are designed by God, and we are trying to live our lives out in a disorderly world, in an imperfect environment. And so we end up so confused. So in that dilemma, people take different approaches. And I just want to mention quickly three. People take different approaches in trying to negotiate through this dilemma. Sometimes people say, let's try religion. And so there is no end to the number of religions or philosophies that we have around us. You can create your own these days. Ask ChatGPT to help you. <laughs> you can come up with a new philosophy. So there's no end to the number of religions and the number of philosophies. No, you can create your own philosophy and live by that. A religion is man's attempt to reach God because somehow, somewhere, inside of some people, they have recognized that they were designed for God. So I need to connect with God. How to do it? Let me make an attempt. Let me find a religion. Let me find some philosophy that will somehow, in some mysterious way, lead me to this great God who created me. I recognize I am in need for God. And so some of us take that path of religion 
The sad thing is, our sinfulness reminds us we're disqualified. Because religion does not deal with the root issue. It doesn't deal with the root issue of our sinfulness. You can try to trim the branches of the tree, but you can't change the nature of the tree by trimming its branches, can you? You can decorate the tree as many of us have already done, but you can't change the nature of the tree by decorating it. So you put whatever religion what you want on yourself. But by nature, you and I are sinful. Some of us find, and, 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 and in, in that process of religion, we try to say, well, I'm going to do a lot of good things. Good things is good. But good things does not change the root cause. It doesn't change who we are before God, that by nature we are still sinful. The Bible tells us that all our righteousness, all our goodness are like filthy rags before God. How can I go before God and say, God, I fed 25 people. I gave so much money to the poor. Therefore, I have a right to stand in your presence. Can we do that? Then we know there's so much of sin in spite of the goodness. All our righteousness are like filthy rags. The Bible tells us that if anyone keeps the whole law but fails to keep even one of them, you're responsible. You're still responsible. So imagine if you paid your taxes, you treated people well, but you'd made only one mistake. You ran the traffic lights. Can you tell the police person if he managed to stop you? That look, I, I'm doing everything right. I just made one mistake. Well, you've got to pay for that one mistake. So even if you keep the whole law, but it break one, you're responsible for that. There is no one who is righteous, not one. Another way that you and I try to negotiate this dilemma is we just say, let's just do away with God. That's, that, that will solve the problem. Make the other end of the equation zero. Solve the problem. It doesn't. So we come up with atheism, which is man's attempt to, to do away with God. But the problem is the evidence is staring you in your face. All of creation keeps speaking to us about God. Because every rational person understands that you cannot have a cause, you cannot have an effect without a cause. You can say, let's assume there is no cause, but the problem is there's been such a big effect, you have to admit there has to be a cause. The effect is creation, the cause is God. You try to do away with God, but you still have to deal with the effect. What are you going to do about creation? Because you and I were not there when things were created. You and I were not there when the laws were put in place. We, un we discover the laws, we study, we research, we understand the laws, and we try to harness the laws for good. But you didn't create the law. The law was there before you came. Who put it in there? So just trying to get rid of the cause, you still got to answer for the effect. How did creation come? So we are still very smart. We come up with lots of theories. We have the Big Bang cosmology. We have the theory of evolution. Let's come up with some theory to explain away the cause. But you always find out that those theories are unsatisfactory. Because you can't prove those theories. 
And the cause is the effect is still staring you and me in the face. We cannot silence creation. The Bible says that what, is, that what we need to know of God is manifest to us. God has shown it to us. And in Romans 1 verse 20, it says the creation of this world it, it reveals the invisible attributes of God. The invisible God is revealed, revealed to us in His creation. You want to see God? Look at His creation. Look at yourself. How fearfully, how marvelously you've been made. Are you an accident? Could you have been just brought together by chance? But there's a greater God. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day, they are speaking to us. Night after night, they are telling us. And no matter where we go, we see the heavens. So we can't escape from them. They're speaking to us. The psalmist said, Lord, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, it makes me wonder, what is man? That you are mindful of me. Meaning, I see the creation and God, I can't respond but say, God, who am I? Another way that we try to deal with this dilemma is by just saying, let's not be bothered with it. The agnost, agnostic says, I can't say whether God is there or God is not there. So let just me leave it like that. Don't, don't, don't even be, don't disturb yourself with it. Because I can't say yes, I can't say no. And I don't want to say yes, I don't want to say no. So don't trouble me with it. But there's eternity in your heart which troubles you. There's something inside you that says, I want to find meaning. Why do you want to find meaning if you say, don't trouble me with it? Why do you want to find meaning if you say, I can't say yes or I can't say no? Why bother about meaning? But there's something in you saying there's more to life. The Bible tells us so clearly that God has put eternity in our hearts. And we know that there is a mystery beyond what we can see, feel, and what's tangible. We know it. There's a mystery that's beyond all this, and I need to find out. Because eternity has been placed in your heart. So even when you say, I don't want to bother with it, because I can't find out, I don't know. So let's leave it. Something in you says you can't. i got to find out. There's eternity inside you. So, this is the message of the Bible. And the message of the Bible is simply this, that God has provided a remedy for our dilemma. That's the message of the Bible. That God reaches out to us in love. We sang it earlier. For God so loved the world. God so loved us. He saw us. He saw us in, 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 in the wrong choices we made. We saw us taking this path of doom and destruction. We he saw us taking this path that just was driving us away further and further away from Him. He saw us going down the wrong path. He saw us in our dilemma. He saw us in all these various attempts we were making to try and find some answer. 
And he said, look, I love them. I'm going to do something. For God so loved the world. God so loved you. You can put your name there. That he sent his son. That's why we, the Savior came. The Savior came to rescue us from our dilemma. The Savior came to deliver us from this dilemma. The Savior came to be an answer to all these unanswered questions. The Savior came to take us back to this original design of God that we were created to live a life in relationship with God and to live an eternity in the presence of God. He came for that purpose. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He sent Jesus. And Jesus did what we couldn't do for ourselves. And that's where the Savior steps in. This is how we can answer this question. Why did there have to be a Savior? Why did there have to be a Savior? Because you and I had a problem that we couldn't save ourselves from. It's the problem of sin. It's innate to us. It's innate to every person born on the earth. It's innate in the most noblest soul that has ever walked the earth. It's innate to every man and every woman. It's there. And we need somebody who can save us from our own sinfulness. And that's why God sent a Savior. But you say, why did God have to come and be my Savior? Because there was no man and no woman who could qualify to be our Savior. Some, one man, Adam, through his disobedience, subjected us to sin, Satan, and death. So there had to be one person. And the requirement for this one person to be our savior is, this person must not be subject to sin, Satan, and death. And all of human history, no matter how wonderful people may have been, every person born of a woman, born of a woman, is born subject to sin, Satan, and death. So no other person could be a savior. They didn't qualify. The only way this could happen is if God incarnated, if God became a man, so that he lived, this man lived above sin, superior to Satan, and was an overcomer of death, then this man could offer us a way of salvation. And that's Jesus Christ. He was God who became a man, lived as a man, to be this one man who would live above sin, above Satan, above death. And then could provide a way of salvation for you and me. While we recognize that there may have been so many noble men and women who walked on the face of this earth. All of them innately were sinful. And sins did wrong things. So disqualified them. Until Jesus came. Until God became man. So Jesus lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And then on the cross, he did the ultimate thing. He dealt with the penalty of sin. 
God is a holy God. He's a loving God, but he's also a just God. God is a God of compassion, but he's also a God of justice. In his eyes, he can forgive sin, but sin has to be paid. Our wrongdoing has its consequences. And it's those consequences that were put upon Jesus. He paid the penalty for our sins. He paid the debt that we owed. He was buried. And he rose up again. He conquered death. Because that was one requirement. He conquered death. And he was God. And today the Bible says, God offers us salvation as a free gift. He offers it to us as a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in him, they will not perish, but they will have eternal life through this Jesus Christ. So through one perfect man, salvation was provided. Through one perfect man, this Jesus, salvation was provided. And it's very logical. God didn't need 10 attempts to get it right. If he needed 10 attempts and the nine failed, they're not God. So he did it in one attempt. So he said, why are you saying there's only one way? Because God needed only one chance to do it right. And that was Jesus Christ. If God needed 10 different ways to do it, it means the other nine didn't succeed, then that's not God. So that's why we say salvation is through this one man, Jesus Christ. It's God who became man and it fulfilled what was required. He dealt with the root cause. Now here's the good news. That the Savior came for you. Worship to you, please come. The Savior came for you. This is good news of great joy for all people. It's for you. The Savior came for you. This day is born in the city of David a Savior. He is this Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. He's for you. The distinctive truth that the Bible presents to us is that God makes us new people. The Bible uses the term being born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot enter God's kingdom. To be born again means to be born from above, to receive the life that God offers for our spirit. You are a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. And it's your spirit that God deals with. He deals with the root cause. He deals with the core of your being, of our beings. He gives life to our spirit. Like we said earlier, religion is man's attempt. It tries to cut off all the externals, not dealing with the roots. But the message of the Bible is that God offers us eternal life. That means God's life in us. He starts with the very core of our being. 
The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. He starts the very core of your being and he makes you a new person on your inside. And yes, the mind and the body has to be worked on and which God will work, but he starts from the inside out. And all permanent change starts there. All real change happens when you are born again. When you receive this life from God. So the Savior came for you and he wants to do a work in you at the core of your being dealing with the root cause he wants to make you a new person in your spirit he wants to give you new life in your spirit that's the message that's the good news and it's for you and when you receive Jesus and you receive this life we can journey through life while growing in a wonderful personal relationship with God. I'm not saying the world around you is going to change. The world's going to be as it is. There is sin, there is problem, there is confusion, there are all kinds of things. But at the very core of your being, you become a new creation. You receive the life of God. You come into a relationship with God because God says, I can now forgive your sins based on what Jesus did on the cross. I can remove your sins away. I can welcome you into my family. That's the beautiful thing. And you can journey through life while you're growing in this relationship with God. Now life has meaning. Life has purpose. There's a mission. There's a heavenly vision that God gives you. And that's how He wants us to live. I want to close with this. While this message is very simple, it is also very serious. Because this message is going to determine your eternity. And I'm not saying this because I want to scare you. I'm saying this out of a sense of responsibility. Because if I fail to tell you this truth, I fail to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that one day you and I will leave this earth. It is appointed unto man once to die. We all have to die once. But after that, we will face judgment. You say, I don't believe in judgment. That doesn't make it go away. And once you cross the line, it's too late to say, now I believe. And we will stand before God. And either you and I will be, you and I will be either ushered into an eternity with God or without God. Jesus talked about a place called hell, a place of torment, a place of eternal separation. And Jesus challenged us with this. He said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What's the use if you gain everything? What's the use if you live an amazing life here on earth? What's the use if you... Just get it all together here on earth. But you lose your soul and you spend an eternity without God. What will all this be for? What will, a, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Uh, so this message today is good news. It's a simple message of the gospel, of the Bible. 
But it's also a very serious message because it's going to determine our eternity. What will happen to your soul? Where will you be? Because God has provided a Savior. If you and I reject the Savior, can we save ourselves? Let's stand to our feet, please. We want to give an opportunity to, for people to respond to this message this morning. Those of you who are watching online, we've tried to make this message simple, clear. And I hope you understand that there is good news for all of us. And yet, there's a sense of seriousness. There's a sense of gravity to this whole thing. Because our souls are on the line. Not only our life here on earth, which, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever. But there's an eternity beyond that that we have to think about. But God has made the provision. A Savior has come. And is inviting you and me to choose to believe in the Savior. Whoever believes in Him receives eternal life. Whoever believes in Him, He gives the power to become children of God. Whoever believes in Him, He gives them new life from above. They are born again. They become new creation on the inside. This morning, I want to lead us in a simple prayer. And if you feel like you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Savior, if you feel in your heart that you want Jesus to become your Lord, your Savior, say, yes, I want to believe in this Jesus. I want to tell him that I am receiving what he gave me through the cross. I want to lead us in this simple prayer. And if you've never prayed this prayer before, I want to urge you to do it today with me. Those of you watching online, if you've never done this before, I want to urge you to do this with me today, that today will be your day of salvation. Today will be your day of embracing your Savior and saying, yes, I take Jesus as my Savior. I recognize my need. I recognize my sinfulness. And I recognize that only Jesus can do this for me. I receive Him as my Savior. If you want to do that, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you've never done this before in your life, May this Christmas day, 2023, be that turning point in your life. Let's pray. If you've never done this before and you feel you'd like to do it this morning, to receive Jesus as your Savior, you can just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I need a savior. I receive you as my savior. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. I ask you to come into my life. Make me a new person. 
Make me a child of God. And help me to follow you. And you alone. The rest of my life. Help me to grow in my relationship with you. Help me to find meaning and purpose in life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us this, that there is great rejoicing in heaven. Even over one person that says yes to God. Even over one person. So even if there's one person here in this auditorium and you prayed that prayer with me for the very first time, we want to celebrate with you. We don't want to just send you off. We want to celebrate with you. We also want to give you a bag that has some resources in it. We want to make sure you get this bag. We need to help you grow in your spiritual journey. So if this morning in this place, for the very first time, you prayed this prayer with me, I want to see your hand. Can you just raise your hand and just wave it at me? Anyone here? One, anyone else? Anyone else? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. I see one hand there at the back. God bless you. Just wave it at me. I see another hand right here. I see another hand right there. God bless you. Keep waving it at me. Anyone else here? Anyone else? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. That today, you receive Jesus as your Savior. Just raise your hand. Make sure that, these, that our greeters come to you, give you this bag that has these free resources. There's a card that says decision card. And if you could please write your name and number on that card and give it back to them. That's important. So that we can call you and tell you how to use the resources in that bag. You see, receiving Jesus is only the beginning. It's a start where he, he works in you to make you a new creation. But now we have to walk with God, grow in our relationship with God. To grow in our relationship with God, we need to do some simple things. Read your Bible every day. Take some time to pray. Be part of a good local church. Wherever you find a church that's nearby, be part of a good local church. Be a part of a community of believers. Grow in your faith. And live a life of meaning and purpose. Because that's what God created you and me for. Amen. I'm going to take some time just to worship Jesus. I'm going to pray. As part of who He came to be as our Savior. He came to deliver us not only from sin, but the effects of sin. Which is being in bondage, being disturbed, being oppressed sickness and disease and all kinds of problems he came to deliver us from that he came to deal with that so we're going to take a moment to pray and say be savior of my whole being be savior of every situation in my life and invite him to work miracles invite him to touch your life so i want you to expect next few moments we'll just sing look to jesus i'll come back and pray a prayer over all of us and expect him to touch you expect him to meet your needs to be your savior All my words fall sure I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do 
every song must end But you never do So I throw up my hands Praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah And I know it's not much, but nothing else left for a king Except for a heart singing
Thank you. Father, I just pray over every life, every person present here, God, and those watching online. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask for your miracles. We ask for your healings. We ask for your deliverances. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord. That every yoke of the enemy be broken. Satan, I come against you in the mighty name of Jesus. Every foul, evil spirit that's tormenting, oppressing people, disturbing them in their minds, in their bodies, in their finances, in their marriages, in their homes. Satan, I come against you. I bind your works and I release the power of God. I release the anointing of God. To break every yoke, to remove every burden, to cause the work of God to take place in the lives of God's people. Let the goodness of God, the mercies of God, the blessings of God flow into their lives. Father God, we pray. Let there be healings and deliverances. Let people walk out of prison doors. Let people walk into a place of victory over everything that held them in bondage, over every fear, over every torment, over every oppression. God, let people rise above the insults, the, uh, the, the evil words that may have been spoken against them, that they will rise above those things and not be affected by those things. Father, that people will live victorious in every area of their lives. This Christmas day, Father, we pray that there will be reconciliation in the homes and the families of people. Unexpectedly, Lord, let people who, who, who've not, who, are, who were not on good terms come knocking at their doors today. That today will be a day of reconciliation in the lives and the homes of many families. That those who are not on good terms will come and there will be restoration. There will be a reconciliation of relationships. God, that you will do such things today in the lives of your people. That hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness will all be gone today because you are at work. We thank you, Lord. And we bless you, God. We bless you that today there will be great rejoicing in every home. There will be great salvation in every home, Father. So work in every life, so work in every home, we pray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Just quick announcements. Coming Sunday, the 31st. Services will happen at all locations at regular timings on Sunday. On Jan 1st, we will have one combined service just like this right here at 10.30. Right? So we stopped doing midnight service a long time ago because uh, we don't get the venue in the heart of the city during midnight uh, because of traffic and other restrictions. So we moved it to 10.30. So New Year's Day service will happen 10.30 a.m. Not p.m. A.m. So morning, 10.30, New Year's Day, we meet here for a time of celebration. We also share the word of the Lord. And so please come. Again, the same parking arrangements, basements. Basements get full. We use the space next to us. That'll be on January 1st, right? So God bless you. Have a blessed Christmas. A blessed time with family and friends. Uh, see you on 31st. See you on January 1st. God bless you. See you again. Thank you. I forgot the benediction, right? <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with all of us, each of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.